You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow us, Bright City Church, on Instagram. Today's message is from a friend of Bright City, and we know you're going to love it. So, uh, hey, so glad to be here with you today and uh, just excited to see what God does. I want to start off just by saying thank you. The last time I was here, uh, we were getting ready to go to Togo, had a bunch of prayer requests and a lot of stuff that was just outside of our control. And uh, man, no, many of you prayed and just carried that with us. And we saw God do some awesome things. I know you heard some about it last week, but I think the... Uh, the miracle of it that comes to mind for me really is in, in two different areas, the first of which is in the people that went. Exodus 36 was like an anchor verse for me for the trip and the assembly of the, the tabernacle and said God brought all the skilled workers that he had gifted and called to do all the work that he had tasked them with. And man, I just felt like that in this trip. God assembled a team, unique set of skills and uh, just availability to show up and, and finish everything that he had called us to do. So the team was just a, a gift, a miracle. But the second was the container actually being released. It was like we shipped it on April 11th and uh, got there on a Sunday after flights had been canceled and whatnot. And for it to get released on Monday night was just uh, just a miracle, just incredible that of all the days for it to be the day that we were there and it couldn't have been a day later and uh, so just praising God for all that he did there thank you so much for your prayers and support for that team that went want to honor Nick and Jesse they are out this week and what's especially difficult about that is that they took my wife with them and so uh, <laughs> I'm gonna bring you one more thing you can pray for this week and that I'm, I'm a single dad with seven kids and uh, there's no guarantee of bath times or baths in general or matching clothes. Praise God, it's summertime. Katie left me an incredible spreadsheet of what's going to happen each day, like wildly supported for a wife that's leaving town. But she had been gone all of a day, and I had to call her last night because the plan from the spreadsheet had already deviated twice. And I was like, babe, do I need to call you every time the plan changes? Because <laughs> this is intense. So anyway, I want to take just a minute and, uh, and pray for them. And uh, just pray their time away would fill them up. And pray that our time together this morning, God, would show up and speak to us. So let's pray and we'll jump in. God, we thank you so much for this time together. Um, that we can just come before you and worship. And I just echo the words of that song that here we are. To worship. God, we gather as your kids and, and go after your presence. God, we carry with us places of, of joy and excitement, places of pain and heartache. Uh, we're each walking through our own unique season, and somehow you see and know exactly where we are and exactly what we're walking through. And so I pray that you would meet each of us today, that we might come away encouraged, uh, that you would minister to our hearts, care for and comfort us in whatever season we might be in. We pray for Nick and Jesse and Katie and kids as they're away. God, we just ask as they serve this week that you would uh, show up and speak to them. You tell us it's more blessed to give than to receive, and they are giving of themselves so much this week. And so I just pray that they would be refreshed and energized and, and ministered to in a way that only you could. We thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. So Katie and I went to God's chosen institution of higher education, the University of South Carolina. Many, some faces in the house are like, what? <laughs> and so uh, we met there in college, 
And um, I lived off of, off of Divine, if you've ever been downtown Columbia. And as I would be driving to class each day, uh, there was this Vietnamese guy that was homeless guy that carried all of his possessions uh, wrapped up underneath his, his sweatshirt. And it almost looked like a tire that he would carry like underneath his sweatshirt, but it was actually all of his possessions. And every time I passed by him, I just felt like I'm supposed to stop and talk to this guy, get him a meal, see if I can get him anything, share my faith with him. But it always felt like I was running late. I didn't have time. I couldn't do it today. I was late to pick up Katie. I was late to class. I was late to work. Yes, that was a theme in college, <laughs> like late everywhere. Kind of like people that attend Bright City. <laughs> you know? and, so, and so I'm working on it. You can too. It's okay. We can get better, right? So I always had a reason that I couldn't stop and talk to this guy. Well, one day I'm driving by and there he is and I had that same prompting. It's like, you should stop and stop and talk to him. And I was just like, no, I can't, I'm late. Then I realized like, you ain't doing nothing. Like you got time. And so I turn around, I pull into the parking lot. And at this point, I mean like, have you ever had something you just, you, you didn't, like I didn't audibly hear God, but I just knew this was a God moment, that I was supposed to do this. And so when I finally pulled over and walked up, he would sit on this park bench on the edge of the road, like a bus stop bench. When I finally walked up and sat down, I mean, it just felt like, okay, God, this is it. What you gonna do? You know, like, and so I sit down, he's staring across the road, and I was like, hey, man, um, and he, he didn't acknowledge me. And I was like, I've seen you several times, and I just felt like I was supposed to pull over and, and talk to you. Are you hungry? Uh, is there anything you need? Like, I'd be glad to take you to get some food or if you need some shoes or new clothes or something, you know, I'd be glad to go get it for you. And um, he, he never turned his head to even acknowledge my, my presence beside him on the bench. And so I'm, I'm starting to get a little, like, frustrated because I'm thinking, like, God, what's the deal? Like, I'm trying to serve him off, like, do anything, but he won't even acknowledge my presence. And so finally, I'm like, well, hey, man, listen, I felt like I was supposed to be on, like, food or clothes or anything I could do for you, just pull over and tell you that God loves you so much so that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. And if you'll turn to him, just cry out to him, you can have a relationship with God through Christ. And I'll check back in with you, you know, in, in a couple days, weeks, next time I see you. But just know that God loves you. He's with you. And uh, I'll, I'll see you later. Never turned his head to acknowledge me. So I walked back to the car like, oh, what is the deal? You know, like so frustrated. I was expecting like a dove to fall from like some kind of miraculous moment and nothing. And so I get in the car, close the door a little frustrated. Right as I go to, to pull off, this guy comes, knocks on my window. And I'm like startled. What is that? And I put the window down. He was like, hey, man, I just saw you talking to that Vietnamese guy. What's the deal with him? It's like, I don't know, man. He wouldn't even acknowledge my, my presence, tried to offer him food, get clothes, but felt like I was just supposed to pull over and tell him that God loves him so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for his sins. And if he turned to him, cried out to him, he could have a relationship with God through Christ. And he was like, huh, okay. You know, and he kind of walked away. So I was like, well, God, maybe that was the... Maybe that was the purpose of that conversation. And so I left there, drove up the street to meet Katie at a pet store, which is a, a side note. Uh, if you're newly married and your wife really wants a puppy, but you know you shouldn't get a puppy, guys, it's okay for you to be strong and just be like, babe, I love you, but we're not getting a puppy because that was not the decision that I made. <laughs> and so I go to meet Katie at the pet store, 
for a doggy bed for our new puppy and I walk in the, the pet store and get to the doggy beds. We're looking at them. One of the sales associates walks up to us and is like, hey, can I help y'all? And I was like, ah, we just got to pick out a dog bed. And he says, hey, I just saw you on Divine talking to that Vietnamese guy. What's up with him? I was like, I don't know, man. I just felt like God told me to pull over and tell him. He loves him so much. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for his sins. If he'll turn and cry out to him, he could have a relationship with God through Christ. And the guy was like, huh. Let me know if you need any help. He <laughs> walks away. And so that day, man, for months, I had thought that, that my calling to pull over and talk to this guy was about that guy. Because God sees him, God knows him, he loves and cares for him. And, and maybe he used that conversation in some way for good. But as I left the pet store that day, just thinking, even in my delayed obedience, God still had purpose for people to know that he was, he was with them, that he loved them. He had purpose for my responding and saying yes to him. And it makes me question for each of us, man, how often do we long for or question our purpose in life? Whether it's momentary purpose, like what's your purpose for me in this season, in this place of pain, uh, in this area of brokenness, and this longing in my heart that's not being fulfilled, or even bigger questions like what is your purpose for my life? Have you ever been in a season where you've just questioned, God, what, what is going on? Like you don't seem to be running after vision. You're kind of stumbling, fumbling your way through life. Maybe things are good, but you see other people around you whose lives seem to be like loaded with, with purpose. They've got tons of vision. Their lives seem full and abundant, and you're just not feeling that way. Well, as we look through Scripture, have you ever heard the, the saying that hindsight is twenty twenty? It's kind of like my conversation with that guy. It's easy for us to look back at seasons of our life and see the hand of God, see the purpose of God, how he was walking with us, preparing us uh, for seasons that we would step into, how he used our, our highs and lows, the good and bad, to help us encounter him and bring him glory. But on any given day, man, in the moment, it can be so difficult to feel that way. And as we look through scripture, I know over and over again, men and women of God felt the same way. You think about a dude like Noah, right? Build a boat, build an ark. People ridiculing him, making fun of him for months and months and months, building this boat in the desert, right? <laughs> Until the rain comes, right? You can imagine just the embarrassment, the ridicule, the frustration in his obedience, but God had a purpose for him in the saving of humanity. I think about a guy like Paul, a persecutor and, and killer of Christians that would go on to write the majority of the New Testament. It's like, man, his life was full of purpose. And as we read through the narrative of his life, it's like, man, you see how God used him. You see the many things that he did in him. Well, today I want to talk about a similar guy that as we look back on his life, we see the purpose of God. And I think there's, there's one verse that kind of summarizes his life that'll give us some insight as to the purpose of God in our own life. How can we know what God's purpose is for us? How can we be intentional about stepping into it each day? And it's the, the man David, King David. As we look back at his life in scripture, it's like, man, there are so many epic stories. Thinking about growing up in like children's church and going to VBS, the majority of the stories that I learned or wanted to embody in some way were about David. You know, he was a shepherd boy. He would spend a lot of his days out in the field protecting sheep. 
right? And at one point, you know, I just see this kid out there herding these shepherds and he's slinging rocks. What he thinks is just a kid playing, learning to use a, a slingshot, right? Until the day that the lion came about. And he's, sling, he's able to wield that slingshot to kill a lion. Until the day a bear comes about, he's able to wield that slingshot and kill a bear, all of which preparing him for the day that he was, he was working for Subway, right, delivering sandwiches. Right? His dad sends him to take a meal to his brothers, and he hears this, like, feisty Philistine defying the armies of the living God. And the same slingshot that he had yielded time and time again to kill these animals and protect these sheep. God was preparing him. He had a purpose in that season to prepare him to be able to kill this Philistine. Over and over and over in his life, so many stories that are like epic in the life of a kid that that really are still epic in each of our lives. Because as I read about him, it's like, man, I want to be a guy. I want us to be a people that have big faith that trust God to do big things or scary things, that we would be a people who worship God. I think about his wife ridiculing him when he was dancing before the Ark of the Covenant coming in. He's like, I'll become even more undignified than this. I want to be the kind of guy and lead the kind of family that's willing to worship God with such abandon that I don't care what I look like or I don't care what people say. So much of the stuff about him is the kind of stuff we want to embody. But what's unique to David is that while he had some epic highs, he also had some devastating lows, right? For each of those stories, there's also the stories of David and Bathsheba, that he would call Uriah, her husband, home from war after he had had an affair with her, trying to get them to sleep together. But Uriah was so faithful to his men at war, he slept outside. He was like, I can't, I can't go and enjoy my wife while my, my men are out on the field dying. So King David sends him to the front line, ultimately having him killed, Right? So he's an adulterer, a murderer, while also a man of, of big faith and worship and trust in God. A life of epic highs and epic lows. And I don't know the nuance of each of your stories no more than you know the nuance of mine. But David's life in many ways represents each of ours. All of us are going to have moments where we feel proud, we feel accomplished, where others would look at us and say, man, look what he did. Look what she did. But we're also going to have moments, and maybe they're not nearly as public as David's were, where we have incredible disappointment and shame and pain. But in all of it, God has purpose for you and me. So what can we learn about his purpose for our lives? The passage I want us to look at comes from Acts 13, 36, and this is what it says. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. How encouraging. (laughs) All right, when I think about all of the things that I would love to be said of me, like, man, Josh loved God. Josh was a passionate husband. Josh was a good father. Josh was an amazing athlete. (laughs) I I knew y'all were going to laugh at that, and I was trying to keep a straight face. (laughs) A reasonable athlete there. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff that each of us would like to have said of our lives, like when we're gone, right? But I can't think of a better statement to be said of each of us than when Josh had fulfilled God's purpose. Can you think of anything better? And for David, when David had fulfilled God's purpose, before getting into the points or what we can learn about God's purpose for our lives, man, how encouraging to know that in the midst of epic highs and epic lows, 
Scripture still says that David was a man after God's own heart, and we still read that ultimately David fulfilled the purpose of God for his life. All too often, I felt like I, I spent years of my life, and I still get caught up in this now, afraid that I'm going to miss God's purpose, questioning what my purpose is, instead of living as a man with purpose. So what does it look like for you to, look, to live as a, a woman with purpose, as a man with purpose? Several things that we can learn about purpose from this passage, the first of which is that God's purpose for me is unique to me and determined by God unique to me and determined by God. It says, now when David had served God's purpose. So it's unique to me. What are the things that are unique to you? And I'm thinking like your, your skill set, your passions, your family of origin. Uh, maybe you grew up in a really tight family. Like, man, y'all went on family vacations, you ate family meals a couple nights a week, you had a real strong family identity. Some of you might have grown up in really disconnected homes where you didn't really feel like you had a relationship with your siblings or never went on, on family vacations. Or if you grew up in a single parent home, like, man, that introduced a whole different struggle. Maybe you've been married and marriage hadn't been easy. Uh, you heard some of Katie and my uh, story here in the past, but man, now God's using that to bring about purpose in our lives. What are the things that are unique to you? Your, your skills, what are the things that you naturally do well? Katie says that I organize our pantry really well. It's one of my unique skills. <laughs> it's not a very long list, so it's something that I celebrate and I'm proud of. You know? Once you, I don't know if that's just a sneaky way to get me to put up the groceries. Like, hey, you're really good at that, babe. <laughs> I don't know, but, but it's one of my unique skills. What are the things that you're uniquely good at? You do them naturally. They come easy to you. As you think about the purpose of God in your life, it is unique to you. In the same way that David was a shepherd boy, right? The lonely monotony of being out in the fields with nobody around you. Even in those moments, God was preparing him. His purpose is unique to me. And secondly, it's determined by God. Have you ever spent time in your life running after something that you had a hunch that God didn't have for you? Or maybe you were trying to make it happen. There was a relationship that you really wanted to work or a job that you really wanted to have or something that you were sacrificing for and it just wasn't coming easy. It seemed like God maybe wasn't opening the door. When it comes to purpose, God's purpose for my life is, is unique to me. But secondly, it's determined by him. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And we are his handiwork. I remember when Katie and I first moved to Charleston, we, uh, we bought a little duplex that we had to gut and renovate. And uh, I remember one night we were putting up kitchen cabinets. I had never done it before, but they're like big blocks and you hang them on the wall. So I thought like, we can totally do this. And so uh, Pastor Nick was in town. He came over one night. We started about 10 o'clock, and I had hung like four or five cabinets, the, the tall ones up high, and we started around the corner, and I realized that even though they were level with the ceiling, uh, they weren't level with anything else in the house. <laughs> and I realized like, man, this is about to be a very costly mistake. When we think about purpose, Man, all too often we can, we can live and look at our lives as if like, man, this has got to be a big mistake. 
either because of choices that I've made or things that I'm doing wrong or a path I started walking down that, that I wasn't supposed to. But the reality for each of us with our purpose being determined by God, he's prepared good works for all of us to do. He's given you unique skills, life story, background, but ultimately his purpose for us is determined by him. And so it's great for us to go after the things that he's put in our hearts, but the best place to start is really asking God, did you give me this dream? <laughs> like, is this something you want me to go after or is this something I'm running after? So the first thing that we can learn about purpose is that it's unique to me and determined by God. Secondly, purpose is unique to the time and place in which I live. It said, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation... God's purpose for our lives is unique to the time and place in which we live. Now, that's something you would think like, well, of course, but it gives today, gives this city, this place, this church, it gives so much meaning and purpose to your life. I think one of my favorite verses in scripture is Acts 17, 26, says, from one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. That means God knew your street address. He knew where you would live before the land that you live on was even developed. Of all the the places in the world, of all the times in history, he chose this place, this time, for you to be born, for you to have life, which gives this day incredible purpose, right? You You could have come home like in a wagon, like Oregon Trail style, right? Or you could have come home in like a suburban. You just think about the nuances of all history. He chose this place, this time. Incredible armpit heat of Charleston. <laughs> like God put you here in a beautiful place, uniquely gifted and skilled and equipped with this community and this church and these people. God's purpose is unique to you. It's determined by him. It's unique to the time and place in which we live. When Katie and I first moved to, uh, to Charleston in December of 2008, I'll never forget pulling into town. We didn't know anyone here, but Debbie and Gibson lived here, and Gibson had lined up a men's group to meet us at our house that night. It was the week of Christmas, and uh, we got rerolled into town maybe 8 o'clock one night, and there was like eight or nine grown men there to help me unload a U-Haul that had taken like three days for me to load. And I think we got it all unloaded in like an hour, you know. I've never wanted to kiss eight or nine grown men so bad, but I was so thankful, right? And so we, uh, we moved here. We rented this little house in, in Park Circle, and um, the house that was next door to us was a children's pastor at Seacoast. And I didn't know that when we rented it. Uh, it kind of cool. He worked at the church. It was neat to get to meet him. Well, after two or three months of being there, Seacoast did this thing called The Thorn. It was kind of like an Easter production. Cirque du Soleil meets the Passion of the Christ. People swinging from the ceilings and flying angels and flamethrowers and wild gospel presentation, right? And so the children's director was the production director for this thing called the thorn and so my girls and katie wanted to be in it to be dancers and so i was like yeah i'll I'll tag along you know just because i wanted to be with them and marriage was in a tough spot so trying to work on the relationship and family vibes and after showing up for a while um they were looking for someone to play satan and i was (laughs) 
I was unemployed at the time, nothing else. <laughs> and I'm glad that's funny to you. It was a painful season. <laughs> nothing else in life was working for me. And uh, I am not theatrical, like, at all. So thankfully, uh, there were no speaking lines. You just had to kind of, like, slither around. And I've got reasonable club moves. And so, again, uniquely gifted. <laughs> and so I was like, sure. And they were like, how would you feel about uh, shaving your head and letting us do full body airbrush and wearing this leather skirt. And it was like, you know, you don't have nothing going for you in life. <laughs> and I was like, sure, you know. And so, so I did it. And for the first year that they had the thorn, it was all staff in the key, key roles because there were so many rehearsals and so much to learn. But in that season, man, God fast-tracked relationship. Like, man, I got to know that team it would have taken years to spend that much time with him, and God did it in about two and a half months. And when I think about his purpose for my life being unique to the time and places in which I live, him knowing the set times and exact places in which Josh would call home, he could have picked any neighborhood in all of Charleston. But in the season of our greatest pain, we moved here picking a, a random house to rent that happened to be next door from the production director so he would happen to realize that I ha had nothing else going in life you know, <laughs> to invite me to be a part of this and ultimately it be the thing God used to not just bring about employment in the future but fast track relationship to ultimately bring healing in our marriage. I don't know where you are today in terms of feeling like God doesn't see you or uh, if you're questioning, do you, do you know what's going on in my life? Or if you're questioning, why am I here? Or what's your, your purpose for me here? Well, be certain today that God has purpose for you. It's unique to you. The unique attributes and facets of your life is determined by God. It's unique to the time and places in which you live. It's not random. You didn't just stumble here. If God didn't want you to be here, he wouldn't have allowed you to get here. But you're here today, you call this place home, God has incredible purpose for you in it. So it's unique to me and determined by God. It's unique to the time and place in which I live. Number three, it's part of a bigger story. It's part of a bigger story. The imagery that comes to mind for me here is that of a relay race. It says, for David, now when he had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep and he was buried with his ancestors. So ultimately, we, we realize that all of our lives are part of a bigger story, that from one generation to another, that there's baton, this baton passing that's happening. And we, we see that in a race because we, we have the advantage of seeing the beginning and the end. But in our lives, man, that's not the case. As I think about my dad, he passed away uh, about five years ago now, and there was so much that I learned about my dad at his memorial service. People came from all over the country. He was a Marine for a little over 20 years, and these guys would say, man, I remember when I came home from fill in the blank. I was struggling with PTSD. I had a really hard time at night, and your dad called me one night in the middle of the night and stayed on the phone with me till the sun came up. Or another guy said, I came home from war and I, my leg was amputated from the knee down and I was having trouble with my prosthetic. I couldn't afford the nicer one and your dad sent me the money to, to get the 
leg that I needed. And I never knew any of these stories. I heard them over and over and over. And it made me so proud because, man, he had loved all these people in silence. Like he had sacrificed for folks and never shared the stories with us or never told us anything about it. I saw his work ethic. I think I got that from him. Like I like going to bed feeling like I got hit by a truck, you know, like I just give all of myself to the day. I figure I'm going to be able to rest in heaven. And so I'm going to work hard, you know, while I'm here. I think I got that from my dad. I think I got my positivity and sense of humor from my dad. Uh, But man, it was so like touching for me to think and, and to give me vision of like, man, I hope one day when my time's up, people will come forward and say that, that I, I loved and sacrificed for them the way that my dad did when no one else even knew about it. We all have stories like that, different than the ones I just shared, but unique to the family of origin, to the upbringing and childhood that we experience, things that our parents passed on to us. We know that this journey of faith is part of a bigger story. Uh, and we see that in David's life. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 6, we read that, that David was in the genealogy of Jesus. And 28 generations later, right, in the lineage of David's life and his epic successes and failures, that he would be in the lineage of Christ. And for each of us, like, man, what is going to come of the lineage of Josh 28 generations from now? Who knows, right? There's no telling. But God is writing an epic adventure in each of our lives. He's here exposing you to his living word, calling you to relationship with him, wanting to use you to help advance his kingdom. You better believe that in eternity, when we look back on the story that was Josh or the story that was Gibson or the story that was Anna, like, man, we're not just here filling space or time. And so if we can show up to the day, I think it's one of the reasons that Scripture says, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as though working for the Lord and not for men, for you know you will receive an inheritance from the Lord. Whatever you do. That means if you're a, a teacher or if you're a business owner or you're a stay-at-home mom and you're changing diapers, like your story is part of a bigger story. It's going to echo into eternity. Your obedience today, the way that you love and serve and care for your kids or you love and serve and care for your brothers and sister in Christ, it can seem so void of purpose right now, but it is what it looks like for us to advance the kingdom. So God's purpose is unique to me and determined by God. It's unique to the time and place in which I live. It's part of a bigger story. And number four, it's bound by time. It says, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, was buried with his ancestors, and the most encouraging part, and his body decayed. <laughs> All of our, our lives are bound by time. We have a, a born on and an expiration date, or a, a best if used by date, right? When we start getting a little stinky. In Psalm 39, 4, David prayed, Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. I think all too often I'm tempted to, to uh, punt to another day. Instead of waking up today to give my absolute best in every area, man, I can give in to feeling tired. I can give in to feeling lazy. I can give in to the desires of my flesh, like, man, I want to take a nap, or I want to watch the game, 
or I want to have a beer, you know, like whatever it is, I can, I can give in to my desires and not live as if I have an end date coming for me, living with the end in mind. I love David's heart, especially as a warrior king. He was a king who went to battle, right, who took the lives of men to advance the kingdom of God, advance the call of God. Uh, many of us, like, don't have much of a proximity to death. We know one day we're all going to die, but it is not something that we enjoy thinking about, you know, sitting out on the beach. Honey, what are you, what are you pondering? You know, like, I'm thinking about dying, dear. You know, <laughs> enjoy the, you know, it's like, we just don't do that. We, we don't like to sit in negative emotion or to consider or process pain and loss in our lives, but there is going to come a day for each of us where we step into eternity, where we transition from this life to the next. And there's a lot of things that we won't be able to do in eternity. Today, I can love people that don't know, love, or care for God. I can serve my neighbor who is far from him. I can do everything within my power to populate heaven. But once I'm there, I can't bring anybody else with me. So each of us have the opportunity, if we'll live today as if God has purpose for you today, the place that you work, the person in the cubicle beside you, the person that lives next door, the family member that you can't stand, the person that's sitting on the same row as you right now. I'm just kidding. We, we have purpose in, in every place that God has put us, but we have to choose to step into that. We have to choose to live as though God has uniquely gifted me. He has a purpose in mind for me that's determined by him. That, that my purpose is part of a bigger story, that God's doing a bigger, greater thing in my life than I might see or feel or know right now. Because it's the truth. And years from now, man, if we'll, if we'll make the choice to lean into that, to live into that, today our actions will echo into eternity. And man, I don't want to get there one day and look back and think, oh, man, if only, if only I would. It makes me think about when I was in high school um, and I played football and I, I loved chess day. Like, man, when it was chess day, I would show up and like, you know, work it out, right? But on leg day, when it was time to do squats, anytime the coach turned his back, like I would like go halfway down, like I just, I did not like him. I hated squats. So I didn't give it my all, right? And that's just kind of the, the picture I can have of me when it comes to purpose and life at times. I don't want to mail it in on leg day. Whatever you do, go at it with all of your heart as though working for the Lord, not for men. I know you can feel lost in questioning purpose sometimes, but be assured God has incredible purpose for each of us. Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful as I look at the life of, of King David and uh, just know that while the the circumstances are so different than each of our lives. It's so encouraging that he could have had such epic successes and epic failures. And I still read in Acts 13 that David fulfilled the purpose of God for his life amidst his own generation. So I, I just pray for each of us that wherever we might be in life right now, if we feel like we're crushing it, if we feel like we're failing, if we feel like we're hearing your voice and walking with you, or if we feel far from you, 
God, I just pray that, that we would get a vision, that we would be inspired to show up today, to live as a people of faith and to give it our absolute all, knowing that you are authoring an epic adventure of faith for each of us, that you have big plans for us that are much bigger than ourselves, that they're part, it's part of a, a bigger story, that you're gonna use us to advance your kingdom. So God, reveal yourself to us. Help us to see your purpose and lean into it with all we got. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, if you're new to Bright City, it's my favorite part of every service, just creating a little bit of space to give us the opportunity to respond. And so for some of you, uh, maybe you want to respond in prayer. There'll be folks up here at the front that you could come to for prayer. And maybe you're feeling like you're in a season of, of questioning purpose, either in a large scale in your life or maybe in this season that you're in. You can come up for prayer. They'd love to speak God's word over you. Maybe for some, you want to go to the back and receive communion and remember his body that was given and his blood that was shed, that we would be a people of purpose. Maybe you came today prepared to give. You can give the giving kiosks in the back, and I don't know all the different ways to give Anna, so Anna will tell you other ways later. But uh, either way, what is God saying to you, and what are you going to do about it? Let's respond again. Thanks for listening into Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, Bright City.